right. Welcome back, everyone. It's episode 67 of Murphy's Law. This is Charles Murphy up bright and early to hang out with Charles Villanueva on a Sunday. We've got all kinds of stuff to cover today. We're going to get into some of the Hellstrom reviews, talk about the boys, and, and recap all the news of the week. But first, we're going to check in and see what Charles has been up to since we talked last. Uh, not much is happening. A slow week. Uh, I'm surprised at the, how short our rundown is compared to, the I guess, the past three or two weeks. But we do have some big uh, Marvel news, which we should, I think we should get to. Uh, basically, Benedict Cumberbatch has joined the cast of Spider-Man 3. Uh, I think I think this is like a good confirmation that there's something crazy going to happen with the, the multiverse with this story, especially with Jamie Foxx's return as Electro. Um, there's no word on yet how big his role is, but it kind of looks like he's um, going to fill that you know elderly senior veteran mentor MC role that uh, Peter Parker has had for the past two films. But yeah, he's, he's joining. And uh, what are your thoughts on this? Are you excited to see Doctor Strange in the uh, Spider-Man 3 film? I think it's cool. Um, and I think we've talked about this a couple times before that that we're going to just continue to see more and more team-ups throughout the entire MCU and all the films. It's going to it's gonna almost feel like there aren't any small films anymore. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like the idea of Doctor Strange popping in and out of a lot of movies, honestly. And to me, this can go one of two ways, and I think you and I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Uh, like you said, he's going to come in and fill that mentor role. And with the idea that we know Phase 4 is, is going to have the multiverse introduced, the true multiverse. Um, it makes a ton of sense that Doctor Strange is there to to help Peter deal with this as maybe some other other uh, multiversal threats come into play. But you mentioned yesterday that um, that maybe another reason Doctor Strange might be there is to help the help Peter get back his secret identity after the reveal at the end of Far From Home. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about it because Spider-Man Far From Home left such a huge, I guess, you know, the the loose end that that movie left is so huge that I don't know how how well you could integrate that with the um, with the whole multiversal aspect because Spider-Man is such in in many ways he's like a grounded character. He's just a he's just a high school kid trying to get through, you know, his his teen teen years, and now he's been outed as like you know one of New York's most famous superheroes like why would you fucking shove the multiverse into that story that's the i was just thinking about it last night so you know maybe dr strange here is um he's just there to maybe help bail peter out to on whatever that that um the problem that poses so you know i i don't i don't want because the problem with this i don't want a, another huge multiversal sort of arc with this i get that it's going to be a huge part of phase four but I'm hoping that for this movie they really, I guess, keep it keep it locked onto just Peter Parker's personal life. So that, that's why I thought of um, Doctor Strange being there, maybe to bail him out. Because I remember, I remember that happening in the comics. Or maybe I could be misremembering mis- mis- it, but I think during one more day, one more day, or after one more day, Peter Parker went to Doctor Strange and asked if he could like maybe undo something, or maybe he could like undo. His um, unmasking in Civil War, which uh, which I guess lines up with uh, my theory that this could happen. But what are your thoughts basically on, on that theory of mine? Yeah, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I like it for, for a lot of the same reasons you do. Um, there's only so many things that can go on in each one of these movies. And, you know, and I think my first response, a lot of people's first response upon seeing Jamie Foxx is, oh, it's going to be the Electro from from the Amazing Spider-Man 2. 
and it's it's an easy workaround to make sure that it isn't. It's just he's the same he's the same guy and he's a yeah it is a multiversal electro. He's the same guy just in a different universe, right? In our universe. So I I do think it makes a lot of sense to keep it a little simpler. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, it, like I said, we know that the multiverse is going to be the big uh, the big focal point at least of the first part of Phase Four. So it wouldn't be surprising to see it all open up especially with the the idea of a live action spider-verse with uh all the sony films and, and the, everyone kind of wondering where they fit and if they're going to tie in so I, I get why that's first and foremost in everybody's mind it is in mine too but it is a much simpler route to go to just have strange there to to help peter regain his secret identity after he got outed and i think that we talk about this all the time every time we start getting our brain spinning about what this what a, an upcoming project is going to be like we always overdo it and it always ends up being so much simpler and so yeah, oh, yeah. i think that's the that's the simplest version of of why dr strange is in there is to is to help peter um get his secret identity back and, and help keep him safe do you remember if um cumberbatch was announced for ragnarok um i don't think it was like he was actually announced for it i think it was kind of just a um, a fun surprise cameo. Or yeah, because I'm wondering was. if, yeah, I'm wondering if what if his what if his role is just as big as that Ragnarok um cameo, where he's there, just there for one funny scene and then yeah. the rest of the movie just fucks up and uh, it's up to Thor to uh, solve the, the, that problem. I wonder if that's going to be the case with this movie. Yeah, it's totally possible, and even. Even if it is the size of Robert Downey Jr.'s roles in in the first two, I mean, it, they're not big, um, or yeah. in the first one, I guess it's not big. And then uh, even Nick Fury in the second movie, then Maria Hill, they they had maybe a little bit more to do than Tony in the first movie, but it, they're still not huge roles by any means. Yeah, so Strange is probably going to have um, that same uh, size role. Uh, moving on, uh, some one division set photos uh, surfaced yesterday, showing some of the returning cast. We you saw um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, Catherine Hahn, and Paul Bettany, and one particular actress that people think looks a lot like um, Scarlett Johansson. We don't really see her face; you only see like a, like her nose and her eyes because she she has a face mask. But I saw a lot of people like sort of like sort of compare photos with that actress and Scarlett Johansson. So right now, people are people are losing their shit that uh, the possibility of a uh, uh, Black Widow possibly being in WandaVision. What are your thoughts on that? And do you think do you think that lady is um, Scarlett Johansson? So I was I was running around a lot yesterday, and I only ever got to look at the the pictures on my phone, which means I couldn't tell what I was looking at other than a, a lady with blonde hair. Um, but I think like you you and I talked about this before the show, and I'll let you kind of handle the the groundwork there, but it does it makes sense from for a lot of the reasons yeah. that that you told me and that you're going to talk about and it it does it, it it's it's going to make people happy but it's also got to be like if it is her she's she's not coming back from the dead this is this is Wanda's you know fake reality that she's creating here um so yeah, go ahead and, and cover what we talked about before we uh we recorded because i think it made a good point because the idea that in Wanda's own fucking made-up fantasy reality, it makes sense that Nata- it makes sense for Natasha to be around that world because I think I think it's it's safe to assume that 
not in Wanda, probably super close as we see in Civil War. We, see, we seem to have like a very, um, a very, uh, I guess, sibling-esque relationship. They really look out for each other. Nat is, is, is particularly mentoring her when we see her in Civil War. So I think there's a bit of dynamic there that I think could, could work in, in um, WandaVision. I mean, there was an interview, I think, last year during um, D23 where Scarlet was flat out asked, you know, aside your, aside your solo movie, what MCU property that's upcoming would you like to be in? And she flat out say, I would love to be in WandaVision. I'd love to fucking be in WandaVision. So there is some credence to this idea, but as for the specific actress that we're, we're looking at in the set photo, it could be anyone, but I'm definitely open to it, the idea of, you know, Scarlet being in WandaVision, even, even if it's just for like a fun cameo, like she's a nice neighbor that, that um, the visions have. It would be a cool cameo. It would be for, you know, to, to some extent, it would be nice to see her back on the screen again in, in the MCU. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be anything more than that, right? It's going to be a cameo. She's going to show yeah. up. She's still going to remain dead. Uh, and, and we know the idea that the Black Widow franchise is, is even planning to move along without her. So, but yeah, I think it's um, totally possible. One of these days, I'll get around to looking at it on my computer and see if I can figure out anything on that. I also like the idea that, you know, maybe this is how Wanda gets closure with um, with Nat because they don't really see each other anymore after yeah. Infinity War. So uh, that definitely works on a narrative level and an emotional level that she, maybe she wants to say goodbye to to uh, Nat and this is like her way of grieving over her loss. She brings her into this uh, fantasy world as a neighbor or something. Definitely, it definitely makes a lot of sense. So I'm not I, I'm not gonna hate it when. It, if it does happen. Uh, yeah. Moving on, uh, a first look at the upcoming Hulu show, Modoc, showed a, a very, very quirky animation style. There was a clip that came up, but I don't know if you saw it, but what are your thoughts about this first look at um, that, that stop-motion Modoc show? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't look at the clip, but I, I looked through the photos, and, um, I mean, my first thought was, was I had no idea that's what it was going to look like. Uh, and when they said it was an animated show, I had no idea they were going California raisins with it. Uh, I don't even know how many people are going to understand that reference, but it was really it caught me off guard. But I like it. Like it, the whole thing with Modoc is he's so strange and so off-putting. I mean, if you can find a way to make it even stranger, go for it. That that's a that to me is a really clever choice. Um, I know you watched the footage, so like, what what did you think about the footage? The footage was honestly very very funny. That sort of it has a very offbeat kind of humor that that's that's like you know, it, it's definitely catered for adults. The the way it's all deadpan and whatnot, even the subtle stuff that the fact that he has two kids and one of them looks like him and one of them is totally normal. I find that just super fucking hilarious. And the clip basically shows Modoc and Aim having a meeting in his house while his wife's cooking dinner, and his kids just like hanging out, and you know. Morok asks them like we need a new like evil master master plan and they keep pitching him dumb stuff and, and I get, like that that whole notion of that, that that's what the show is gonna be makes me super duper excited for it I I'm, I'm kind of annoyed that that uh, it's coming uh, next year because it looks fucking great and I can't wait to see it I know as soon as you saw it we you emailed me or you messaged me and I emailed to Hulu trying to get a. Uh... Make sure we got on the list to get screeners for it because you were so excited. So, yeah, I think um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Just listen to describe it. It's like the idea of Modoc having a family at all, um, much less having a dinner party where AIM comes and hangs out with them is just and I did see the in the ones in the shot, they're all all the guys in their little beekeeper suits are hanging out over at his house. That's great. I, I think it's yeah, this this one's got my attention, I'm for sure. I'm I'm curious to see what this one looks like. Uh moving on to DC. There was some major hires for uh the Green Lantern show, basically, they got writers Seth Graham Smith and Mark Guggenheim of, uh, of the Arrowverse. Uh, they got into Pennant. Uh, and basically, this, this film is going to feature a ton of Green Lanterns, starting from Alan Scott, Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz, Guy Gardner, Sinestro, and Kilowog. It's basically going to be like, I guess, one big Green Lantern reunion. Um, one weird omission is Kyle Rayner. Um, you, I would have thought that they would at least try to bring someone super young to uh to this uh green lantern lineup but what do you think about uh this show featuring a fox on a green lantern yeah, interesting mix first of all on the on the writers like you have the arrowverse guy and then you have didn't seth graham smith help write it he did the lego batman movie in it yeah so uh, it, that that combo is pretty interesting i the lego batman movie is one of one of the best batman movies ever in my opinion so i'm <laughs> i'm happy to have that um I think it's interesting that you have like some of the some of the and continuity at least the oldest Green Lanterns and then in continuity the 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 newest the the freshest Green Lanterns. I think that's an interesting disparity there. And well, I'm curious to see what happens. But yeah, they left out. Um, I guess probably the three most well known Green Lanterns probably in, in Hal and um, John and Rainer. So I, I think it's it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I have no idea what's going on with the show. I mean, at one point, Jeff Johns was, was producing it and he should I imagine he's still attached to it. Um, but I, I think I talked about this in the, in the group chat the other day. Like I, it was a kid. I loved green lantern so much. It was probably, he was probably him and the flash were my two favorite, um, DC characters as a kid. Now I, I'm, I, I've grown to love Batman more than the two of them, but, um, <clears throat> something about that Ryan Reynolds movie just destroyed any passion or interest I had in Green Lantern. Like, I'm not kidding. I haven't been able to, to read the comics since I haven't like, uh, Grant Morrison's got on like year two of a, of a Green Lantern series that I haven't even been able to get into. So this will be interesting for me to see if it can, if it can get me sparked back in, uh, spark my interest back in Green Lantern. I'm going to be super curious how this show is going to look like, because just from the lineup alone, it kind of sounds like an expensive um, showcase of Green Lantern powers. I'm gonna yeah. be super disappointed. Like for for the, for half a season, they're just like normal dudes hanging out in a on Earth. <laughs> That's my biggest worry with this show. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of these superhero shows tend to, I guess, tend to scrimp on on on, on stuff like that. They only want like you know, one big scene during one episode. And it doesn't really, I guess, give justice to the source material, um, which we're gonna get to in Hellstrom in, in in a few. But I'm just I'm just super curious how they're gonna execute this. And man, it's 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 a tough order to I guess give justice to so many of these popular characters. Just in Kilowog alone, you have a lot of money tied up in CG, I would imagine. Yeah. Plus, anything yeah. we try to if they fucking cheap out on the constructs for the for the rings, I'm gonna be. Super disappointed because the Green Lantern movie had some really, really shitty constructs. Oh my god. Okay, so I think we can move on to our I guess our quick Hellstrom thoughts. We finally got to see the first 
five or six episodes I have my review up. I basically fucking roasted it, and a lot of people came after you on Twitter saying you were unfair <laughs> for some reason. Um, it's just so weird seeing a bunch of people stand the show when they haven't even seen it, and they're calling us unfair for for having seen it and us not liking it. Which, like, fucking leave us alone. Whoa. It's not a good show. <laughs> but uh, you've seen a few episodes. What are your th- what are your quick thoughts on Hellstrom? I know you like the first episode, but I'm not I'm not really sure how you feel about the rest of the episode. So, what are your quick thoughts on the show? Yeah, I I thought it was the first episode caught my attention um, in in this way. It starts out, and I think people now may have seen like the first ten minutes of it. I know they released it, and it started out, and I was like, oh my god, this sucks. They're just doing like a legit. 100 out of 100 exorcism trope on screen like we've seen this a billion times and and i caught my attention right away that uh that the actor that played damon was actually like pulling pulling a little bit of a sham here and then the way he talked to the kid and the way they kind of flipped the script on the exorcism thing was pretty cool and then you had like a really quick like right in the first 10 minutes of the of this of the series you get a quick glimpse of what damon's power set is right like all of a sudden, he scares the shit out of this kid, lights the room on fire, and then he walks away. I was like, all right, we're on to something here. This is, this is a change of pace. This isn't what I expected. Um, and so I, I did kind of like the first episode, got into the second episode, and it immediately slowed down for me. And, and I think that's one of the big problems you had with the show is the pacing and that we've talked about before, like with, uh, with some of the Marvel TV shows. There's entire episodes that are just completely forgettable and unnecessary. And there yeah. were some things in episode two that that do kind of move the plot along, but there's some stuff that's just it it just become it became a slog in episode two. But I think overall, like I, I only f- finished the first two episodes. I know I liked it quite a bit more than you did. I'll I'll get to it eventually. I just had so much other stuff going on. I haven't been able to push through it, which is why um, we're so happy to have more than one person on the side who can do stuff. Right? This is this is part of the great part about us building a team is now we can. You took over and, and, and kind of got to it. But yeah, um, for me, I liked, a, I liked the guy that played Damon. I thought he did a good job. I had a hard time connecting with the sister. Um, like I think we talked about, you and I talked about this. The mom is probably the most interesting character in the show. Um, and you don't get a ton of time with her. And I still don't know at all why they have their powers if their dad is the devil. I don't know anything about it because I haven't gotten through episode five or six yet. Um, but I feel like you got through episode five and six and you don't know any of those things yeah. either. That's sort of, that's sort of very indicative of how slow things are. I've seen like a chunk of the show now and I still, I like, I still don't have a clear idea on what the show is trying to do or what, what it's trying to be. Like they, like they talk about the dad a lot and like how he's such a, how he's such a force to be reckoned with and, and you know, it's still not clear why their dad is like that. That's sort of. That's sort of my problem with it. There's a huge disconnect with what they're trying to say, or what, rather what they want the audience to, to, to feel and what they're actually saying. That's sort, of, that's sort of the big disconnect. The cast is, I think for the most part, the main ensemble cast is fine. They're not terrible by any means. But I remember also telling you, like, while I was watching this, like, damn, these extras are fucking terrible. Because some of, these, some of the extras on the show are, like, really, really bad. And, like, as you mentioned, the mom is clearly the strongest part of the show and it's also ironic that she the actress's name is actually um her last name is marvel so 
for for a show that's sort of embarrassed of being like a Marvel property, it's ironic that the best part of it is is the is the one lady with the Marvel on her name, and you know there's just so much about the show that I feel was very, it's a very anemic kind of show, especially for um for a show that's based on a very very wildly supernatural comic, and to see it get muted to like you know like you see his power in one episode, then you see it like in the next, and that's pretty much it. Like, you don't really get a, a taste of what the comics is, which I think, like, I think all comics, should, all, all comic book adaptations should, should at least give you an idea on what the comics are like, even on a tonal level, even though, like, the effects maybe don't match, but at least give audiences, like, an idea, like, oh, shit, this is kind of like the comics. This show, Hellstrom, is nothing like the comics, which I think is very, I think it's very criminal. Even on just like a basic horror level, I'm such a huge horror fan. The fact that this shit isn't even remotely scary. Meanwhile, Hulu has like Monsterland, which I thought was pretty scary. And there's so much horror shows happening, um, coming out right now that are actually scary. It's surprising <laughs> to see this show be not, not scary at all. Especially like it's exorcism stuff. Like I'm, I, I, we were talking about it like before I actually watched the show. I was like, "Is it scary?" And you said, "I, I don't believe in like exorcism and shit, so it's like not scary to me." Then I yeah. told you, "Like, holy shit, I fucking believe in that kind of shit, so maybe it is scary." But then the show really isn't scary at all. Like the first scene, I guess, is very indicative of um, what the show is all about. It kind of makes you think it's scary, but then it sort of flips it on its head and says. Yeah, this isn't scary. It's like nothing at all. With with Marvel TV in general, want to know where where the show stands. And we did see that clip um, of an interview with the showrunner where he flat out said, "I mean, I'm trying to, I'm not even paraphrasing. We are not connected to the MCU at all. So <laughs> this this show, and like it comes without any Marvel branding, right? Like you don't see Marvel attached to it at all. Um, like I said, I only watched the first two episodes." So I saw like the rocks on Easter egg um, yeah. at a gas station. I don't know what other Easter eggs are further on down the line, but the but the showrunner said without hesitation that Hellstrom is not a part of the MCU in any way. Like I mentioned it to you before we recorded, you can basically say it's part of the Dancing with the Stars cinematic universe. It's like not going to even matter. So uh, I guess we should move on to the next uh, review for The Boys because... Uh, the finale just happened this weekend, and we have a lot to catch up. Basically, we didn't, we didn't, I don't think we, thought, we talked about the uh, last two episodes, so let's get to it. Um, there's so much that happened. Uh, Lamplighter burned himself in, um, in front of the vault mural. Uh, A-Train stole some files from the church. Stormfront's dead. Becca's dead. Fucking Ryan's now with, um, with Mallory. There's so much to unpack here. But what are, what are your general thoughts about the last episode? Yeah, I, I watched them. Um, I caught both of them Friday night, five and six. Um, and it was late and they were just really running together. Five, and like we said before, uh, before we recorded, or you told me this the other day, um, for being the penultimate episode, five played pretty slowly. Um, six, on the other hand, is completely the opposite. I, I don't even know. Is it seven and eight? I don't know how many episodes there are. Let's just say the, yeah. the second to last one and the last one. Um, but yeah, but that final episode, um, God, the last 20, 20 minutes or so, so much happening. So, so many crazy things going on. Um, probably one of the most 
action-packed and explosive episodes of the boys, I think for sure. And, um, just seeing kind of everything, everything come out and, and seeing Homelander just completely lose his shit. This has been, we've talked about this in, in previous reviews of other episodes. He's been building to this, right? Like the, the, the vision he had in his head of scorching the entire crowd. And so he finally just completely loses it, kills all those guys on bot, comes out just a bloody fucking mess. Oh, yeah. um into the into that forest and i know you really like that forest scene so yeah, yeah. what tell let's let's talk about that tell me about the uh the forest scene that, that last 20 minutes yeah it's just so like the sight of like we saw in the trailer like, like the opening shot of the trailer is homelander landing in that forest all bloody when we saw that in the trailer we didn't know what the fuck's happening but now oh my god it's such a it's probably the biggest moment in Homelander's life when he sees um, Stormfront dead, his like dead at the hands of his son, and Butcher's there. Like the fact that his, I guess his mortal enemy's there, holding the dead wife, and the, the Homelander's kid fucking sides with with his nemesis, and Maeve just comes in and just basically tells. Um, Holander to fuck off. Don't ever touch these people, or I'm, or I'm gonna leak this um this airport um uh, this is the airplane crash footage. And like for the first time, we're seeing Homelander powerless, worthless. Everything he's known about himself, everything he's had for himself, is now gone. And so he just fucking cries. And just that sight of Homelander, I guess he's like laugh crying because he's just lost it. He's like. He's legit going crazy the bike and he's just jerking off in front of the city. It's just such a great, a great, great end to his um, I guess this two season arc for the character. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see him just strip down to his his human emotions now. Cause it's been so important for him that everyone loves him and that that he gets to be in charge. And at this point, like you said, he finds himself completely powerless. Um and, and I think you know, we talked about that, the idea that you thought Billy was going to kill Ryan. And then I think the, the straw that breaks the camel's back for Homelander is to watch his kid choose Billy. And then you, you now have the, 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 the script has been completely flipped here for this whole two seasons. Homelander has left Billy alive, could have killed him whenever he wanted, had multiple opportunities to, but he kept him alive to taunt him with the idea that, Hey, I, I raped your wife and this is my kid that I had with your wife and there's nothing you can do about it. And then as as the kid goes to Billy and Billy picks up the kid and walks away and Homelander re- realizes he can't do anything. Now he's now Billy has this power over Homelander, which by all rights, he shouldn't have. Like he's just a normal guy and Homelander could could shoot beams through and rip him in half to whatever he wanted. But now you just see Homelander completely powerless and completely embarrassed and and just brought as low as he's ever been, which is actually a really dangerous place for him to be. But that's where he is. Not, not that you're breaking it down. I kind of get why he's jerking off. <laughs> because that's that's the only that's the only thing he can do. Like he has no longer control over his team because Stan Edgar's like basically, like you know, especially after that Nazi stuff with um with Stormfront. Like I think this I like I think the seven is gonna change moving forward. That I don't think Homelander's gonna be like the same leader he thought he was for the the past couple of years. That's why by the end he's like just like jerking off because that's that's the only thing he can control. When and where he can jerk off, and he, it's just a, he even seemed to be having a hard time doing that. Yeah, yeah, he needed a lot of um, what do you call this? Self motivation to, uh, <laughs> to actually not, which is super, 
super crazy. But yeah, so I, I guess like for the past couple of episodes, we've been talking about um how this whole arc with the deep and where it's going and how it's gonna pay off in the end. And you know, in many ways, for me personally, I don't think the story has paid off in any way, especially. For the deep, you know, he's been around for the entire season, but by the end, he's just like, he just basically tells the church to fuck off. He's basically chopped liver by that, um, I guess by the pastor or preacher or whatever. And that scene was so funny when, when um, when the church leader actually tells a a train he's been enlisted, and then the deep is <laughs> like, yeah, fuck yeah, we're in. And then the the, the leader says, not you. And then the deep goes, why not? I'm anti-Nazi too. That's cool, right? <laughs> so he's like, he, he, he's just so desperate. He, he hates that A-Train got in, despite, you know, despite actually fucking leaking those, um, those files. So like, I, I'm, I'm kind of bummed out that this didn't really, you know, amount to something super substantial to the major arc, except for the A-Train part. But I guess it is actually kind of funny to see the deep be miserable, be super, you know, get 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 fucked up by everybody. He even complains about his wife who who gives terrible blowjobs. So <laughs> it's just it's just so fucking fucked up. It's so great to see this guy get all the shit he deserves. All right. They they try to send him on like this. The whole point of him in, in season two is his redemptive arc. And then when he finds out he's not back in the seven, you just find out he's the exact same guy. Like he's not changed <laughs> yeah. at all. He's still just an asshole um, who's, who's just super jealous. I, I'm sad, uh, you know, like, the, the church seemed like it had this big role, and then yeah. the guy's explodes at the end. We never find out about the fresca. Uh, they just keep bringing yeah, yeah. it up and find out what's going on with it. And it seems like the church is, is done and over with at this point because their leader is now a, a splatter on a window. So I don't know. I don't know. That was kind of disappointing, I guess. But... Um, it did, it did leave open for season three. Like you said, we've got an idea like, hey, the seven's going to be a very different thing now after this big reveal. And now we've got this uh, this soup running around with the ability to explode people's heads whenever she wants. So those are really the only two arcs kind of left hanging. It seems like Huey and Starlight are, are, are good. They're back together. Um, maybe, you know, they, they had the team that they offered Butcher a spot on. He seems to just have walked off into the sunset, though you know he's not going to be gone. But it seems like most of the main characters, like you know, are, like you said, their arcs are tied up. They're, uh, yeah. There's not seem like there's much left to do. So season three could be just a completely different direction for the show. Yeah, because everyone got what they wanted in the end, especially um, for the boys. I mean, MM is back with his family. Uh, what the fuck did um? What happened to um? Kimiko and um, Frenchie. Did, did they just they like. Went they went dancing. Oh, okay. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a happy ending for them. It's a happy ending for the boys in general. So, like, I'm, I am very curious how, how season, season three is going to bring them all together. I wonder if this, um, this crazy congressman lady is going to be like the, the, I guess, the inciting character to bring everyone together, especially now that Huey's working under her. But yeah, it's so crazy to know that she's been the one popping everyone's heads. Like for the longest time, I thought she was just like a nobody. Like w- like during that scene where where she's like um she's like in that rally and then 
Homelander just comes in and threatens her. Like yeah. I, for a while, I felt terrified for her because she could actually get killed by Homelander. But right now, she could have killed Homelander in a second during that scene. She blew up a couple of their of the soup's heads in that. Um, whatever the guy was at the place A train, she blew his head up. So assume she could have blown up Homelander too. Oh right. When did that happen? I forgot that. When they were at the in court at the at the trial, when she started, everybody's head blew up. Like the guy was just getting ready to do the opening statements when they brought Vogelbaum in in the wheelchair, and she blew that guy's head yeah. up. Vogelbaum's head up, she, blew up yeah. all their heads. I don't know the guy's yeah. name, but he was a speedster that replaced A Train. I wonder. Do you think she's like a straight up bad guy, or do you think she's a she's a soup that's actually working on? Working for good. I assume she just wants to be in power, and so she's going to do what she can do to to make her way up the ladder. Because it, it it'd be great if she's like you know she's she's part of the she's fighting for the same things are as the boys are. Yeah, give them another another person on their side. Yeah, if, like, they'd now have more than the than the seven would have because they'd have. Kimiko the, and Ryan and then her and the seven are pretty reduced down to uh, I don't know what Starlight, Maeve, and Homelander and A-Train. I guess A-Train is back, so. I'm honestly just weirded out that Starlight's still part of the team. Like, it feels like it makes sense for her not to be on that team anymore. Yeah, so they, and I, the way they tried to clear her name at the end after trying to, you know, yeah. put her spotlight as bad guys, it was strange. A weird conclusion. Yeah, so just personally, I wouldn't be mad if the show just ended because it kind of seems like a really, really good ending, even though it, 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 it's one of those endings that aren't necessarily like a happy ending for everyone, but it's just a, a very, very good ending. They could actually end mm-hmm. the show on this number. I wouldn't be mad yeah. at all. All right, guys, that does it for episode 67. Uh, we're hoping for a little bit more news to keep dropping this week. We know we've got so many projects getting started. Let us know you, your guys' thoughts on uh, on the way the boys ended and what you guys see season three turning into now with um, with everything many of the, of the two season arcs having wrapped. Um, we will be talking to you guys soon, so continue to stay safe out there and be good, and, and uh, we will check back in again soon. Bye.